be my prayer to do that. My dying day is not far off now compared to what it used to be. Uh, it could be any time. But I do want to stay true. I want to be faithful. I want to end well. Thought about this singing that song. It broke my heart because I I think about my family. I think about my little brother. And I think about the the words that Mama told me are the same words she told my little brother. Things that my mama told me, my grandma told me, the same things that she told my little brother. Mama couldn't make a decision for me. She couldn't, she couldn't choose the way of life for me. Grandma couldn't choose it for me. But I had to listen for God myself and be honest with, my, with, with, with me and with God. When he called, I had to answer. And uh, something that nobody can do for you, is it? You only can do it for yourself when the Lord calls. Ezekiel chapter number 3 this morning. Book of Ezekiel chapter number 3. Book of Ezekiel is a different book. We preached from here a few weeks ago on Sunday night. And uh, we've looking, been, since then been intrigued by some things about the, about the book of Ezekiel. It's a time of uh, Israel as they are taken into bondage, Babylon. Israel had gotten to this place. Israel had forgotten more or less about God, forgotten the ways of God, and they're just a few. I'm glad there's always a few, ain't you? I'm glad there's always a few. There's just a few that could remember the Lord. We know that Daniel would remember God. We know that the Hebrew children would remember God. But uh, God would rise up or bring up a prophet. Uh, there was some training that had to be done that this prophet Ezekiel would have to go through in order to be the messenger unto the people of God. And uh, sometimes, sometimes prophets, or sometimes we don't have modern day prophets today. I don't care what the charismatic world says. They got you see a prophet this one and prophet that one. That's a phony. I can guarantee you. There's no need for no more prophecy today. Uh, we have the we have the perfect word of prophecy now today. And the Lord Jesus Christ. All we are is just preachers. God does not reveal any new things. It's all in His book today. It's all written down. Uh, I know it sounds good when you say that you're prophet such and such such and such and it may make your offerings get bigger, may make your TV crowd get bigger. But you realize this, you're going to stand before a holy God one day who's going to reveal the truth. He's going to tell us all just the truth. He's not going to be, he's not going to be influenced by the evil of society and by the things that society wants to hear. He's going to be a God that's going to be just. And uh, so when we read the book of Ezekiel, we find that 
God begins to call out Ezekiel chapter 1, we find that chapter 1, we find a whole lot about a vision that Ezekiel has. Y'all know that Ezekiel sees things. He has, he has these visions. He sees these wheels. Y'all remember that? These wheels. And they, there's a whole lot about what Ezekiel sees that I don't understand to this day, okay? And I don't put a whole lot of, uh, of time in trying to figure things out, but, but God shows Ezekiel some things that, remember that, that Ezekiel, I think he's a, he'll go into a valley before long of dry bones, won't he? He'll get there. And, and we, we know there is a, there's a story behind all of these things. There's a reason they're here. But before he could do this, Ezekiel, you'll see, if you study, Ezekiel was a man that really, uh, he didn't have a, a whole lot of compassion. <laughs> all right, he, he really didn't. Uh, he was hard. Uh, and sometimes that's good, but sometimes it's not so good. You've got to have some hardness about you. You've got to endure hardness as a good saint of God, a good soldier of Christ, is not you? You've got to endure that. There's some hard times, and there's some hardness that comes about. And Sometimes you've got to face some things that are hard, and you've got to hear some hard things in order to help us in our walk with the Lord in a daily way. But Ezekiel served as God's prophet, to a wayward nation. I want to begin to read to, uh, this morning with verse number 15. Then I want to back up and, and, uh, and, and, and tell the, the whole story to get to a place where we want to be today. Okay, Ezekiel chapter number 3 and beginning to read with verse number 15. If you can't enable, will you stand in honor of the reading of the word of God? The Bible said, Then I came to them of the captivity at Tel Aviv and dwelt by the river Shabar, I sat where they sat, and, re- and remained there astonished among them seven days. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at, thy, at my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto this wicked, unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from the wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou has delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from, uh, turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, and he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, he shall, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous, sin, that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of letting us stand today. And God, I pray, dear God, that you'd give us Holy Spirit unction to preach the precious word of God this morning. Lord God, I need you, and I need your leadership, and I need your guidance, and I need the help, God, that only you can give today. God, will you direct my mouth and help my tongue to say the things that heaven would be pleased with this morning. And God, would you uh, 
unctionize the preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, would you be upon it? Would you rest in our midst here today? God, would you take us and use us as your instrument, God? But not that we could say something good about ourselves or that anything good could be said about us. But Lord, more than anything else, God, that Jesus could be lifted up real high and that our eyes could be turned unto you in a more desperate manner. Oh God, we need you. And I pray, Lord, you would give us uh, the grace that we could come to you with all of our heart this day. God, help that one that's nearest hell this morning, that one that's lost and in need of a Savior. That one's going to burn eternally, God, if they don't trust Jesus. God, would you show them who they are, and would you show them their self today in, in a great way. And Lord, I pray that you'll take away every bit of pride and, and haughtiness that might be within them, and help them, oh God, to humble their hearts and believe in what Jesus done as the propitiation for their sin. God, speak to my heart today, I pray. Help me, Lord, to, be, to preach and deliver what you placed on our heart in a manner, God, that they could, even the youngest could understand. And we'll be pre careful to praise you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you in Jesus' name. We pray, amen, and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Ezra has served God, as is serving God, as prophet uh, to a wayward nation. Now, we find that Israel had been taken into captivity, uh, but yet they're in, in captivity that there had to be somebody, Brother Mike, to raise up and to rise up that might direct the people of Israel when they're released from bondage and, and cause them to, uh, to rebuild the things of God and do the things of God. We know that, that, that God chose Ezekiel uh, to be the man uh, uh, that would do the leading of the nation of Israel. Now, we find that the demise of Israel was at hand. And God described Israel as a rebellious house. If you'll look at chapter number 2 and verse number 6, he said, And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, and neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. So he called them a rebellious house. Israel, even in their bondage, even in, the, in their wayfaringness, even in the distress that they were in, were still described as a rebellious house. A people that had gone away from God. In chapter 3 we find where God continues to go on and where God's beginning to prepare, uh, the, the, I will say, the preacher uh, or the prophet, if you will, in, to, in, in what manners he has to prepare him. Number one, we find the preparation of the preacher. Notice in verses 1 through 3 there's something uh, very remarkable here. In verses 1 through 3 we find, Moreover he said unto me, O son of man, eat that that thou findest. Eat this roll and go... Speak unto the house of Israel. He said, So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat of that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, I cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat at it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Well, now I'm not, he's not talking about a yeast roll there, okay? I want you to understand the word roll there. He's talking about a scroll, and that's a, that typifies or as an example of the word of. God, and that God is speaking to Ezekiel and saying to Ezekiel to take in the Word of God. Take in my words. What I'm giving you, I want you to take it in. It's going to be beneficial for you. You're going to need this as you go and proclaim unto the people. Uh, listen
listen to me today, friends. I want you to know something. That there's a lot of preachers today that are going on a lot of things and they're going in a lot of directions and they're using a lot of things that they've been gifted with. But I'm here to tell you that a gift to speak and a gift to talk and a gift to have attention of men, that's not going to get things done in the hearts of men. What we need is the anointing of the Holy Ghost to God. And what we need today is the preaching anymore of the Word of God. I'm not talking about a watered down preaching. I'm not talking about a watered down, a weak word. I'm not talking about a compromised way. But I'm talking about the truth of the Word of God. Ezekiel, God said, take the Word of God. It requires, first of all, in order to have the Word of God taken to you, it requires an appetite. Wouldn't you say that? Uh, have you ever just sat down and read the Bible and not cared about what you read about and didn't get nothing out of it? Uh, y'all got to lay your halos down now. I'm talking about you sit down there, you pick up your book and it puts you to sleep, best sleeping pill you had, right? It, I mean, it just, it's because you hadn't got an appetite for the Word of God. It, that's what it, you see. The Word of God requires an appetite. Psalm 119, verse number 9 said, Withal uh, shall a young man cleanse his ways. Uh, he said, By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Uh, 119, verse 93. He said, I will never forget thy precepts, uh, for with them thou hast quickened me. Uh, there we find there is an appetite. You need an appetite for uh, the Word of God. John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them that ye think that you have eternal life. I want you to know there's a need for an appetite. Why am I not happy in my walk with God? Because you need an appetite for the Word of God. Why do I not feel the power and the presence of God? Because you need an appetite for the Word of God. Why is God not speaking to me? Because you need an appetite for the Word of God. It's no There's no secret potion. There's no magic words. There's nothing new. It's still the same old book. God God still speaks the same way. He still speaks to the same people. But I'm telling you, it requires an appetite for God's Word. Oh, Psalm 119, verse 103. He said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey uh, to thy mouth. My mouth. Uh, remember what the, uh, what the Lord said, what the Ezekiel said there in verse number 3. He said, Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. I tell you what, when you get that appetite for the Word of God and you begin to let God's Word take course in your life, oh, I'm telling you, it'll make a difference. It'll be to your mouth as honey for sweetness. There'll be some desire. There'll be something in you that'll long for it. It'll want the Word of God. Today, God's people need the Word of God. I don't see, I don't see a lot of people having a hunger for God's Word anymore. I see the preparation of the preachers. This is just an outline of the beginning. I'm, this is an introduction, okay? Y'all hold on. We see the preparation for the preachers. Number two, I see the purpose of preaching. We find the purpose for preaching right there in verse number four and five. He said, and, and he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee into the, the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people a strange, a strange speech and or, or, and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not too many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words uh, uh, thou, thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. 
There's a need, the need for preaching. First of all, the purpose, the need that we're talking about a fallen nation. Why in the world should we carry the gospel today? Why did God commission me and you and tell you to go into all the world and preach the gospel into every creature? Because this society's fallen. Brother Mike called me the other day, the other morning, said, Did you hear what happened in Utah? I said, No. And he began to tell me about them outlawing the, the King James Bible in the libraries and the state houses in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, the state of Utah, where uh, that it is now against the law uh, to, to, uh, to have a Bible, even as he mentioned this morning, in school. Uh, but they begin with the King James Bible because it's the pure and adulterated Word of God. It's, what, it's the truth of the Word of God. And they begin with that and they said we don't want that why because a fallen nation don't want help a fallen nation why should we preach today why should we proclaim today because our nation is fallen and listen because they say that we can't have it don't mean that we're to wave a white flag of surrender but it means we're to proclaim it the more and we're to speak the loudest and we're cry out more and more got a bunch of cowardly people today that bow and beckon to every call the government has. I'm here to tell you, somebody better go to standing up somewhere or another. God didn't raise up a bunch of cowards. No, sir. I, I was looking yesterday, and, and, and yesterday, right there, brother, you remember where, you and Dave remember where the eight flags are on the coast down there. I don't know if y'all seen that down or not, but they got seven American flags down there and right in the middle of them right now, right there where the eight flags are, they got a pride flag hanging right there in the middle, a rainbow flopping in the, at half mass. There before our national cemetery, there where our soldiers, our fallen soldiers have been back. They didn't die, they didn't die for, the, for, for the pride. That's not why they died for them. We may get kicked off Facebook for this. I don't give a rip. Really, one way or another. But I'm telling you today, somebody ought to stand up and quit being so submissive to what this world has to say. Somebody better preach. There's a purpose for preaching. We got a fallen nation. We got a nation that's headed for bondage. We find not only a need, but there's a necessity. There's somebody out there that's listening for hope. There's some out there think there ain't no hope and think there's a, that this thing's doomed and, and that there's no hope. But I, and even though I don't know if America will ever come back to God, I don't, I, I believe they can if they, if revive, if, 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 you know, if they'd come back do as God said. I don't know that that'll ever happen, but I'm telling you what I do know. They still some that's listening for some hope. They still some that wants to hear that there's a, that there's a better way and a better day. They some needs to still hear about the old rugged cross. They some still needs to hear about the crucifixion of Christ. They some still need to hear that Jesus bled and died for them. They somebody still needs to hear there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. They somebody still listen to hear there's somebody, there's a need to proclaim and tell that there is hope in Jesus still today. We live in dark days but they ain't killed God. Amen. They ain't killed God. He's still alive and well. We live in dark times, but God's still on the throne. And brother, when this thing's on fire, God's still going to be on the throne. We just need somebody to stand up. We just need somebody. There's a necessity to preach. There's a necessity to preach. There's a need. Every man needs to hear about the goodness of God. Wouldn't you say that? 
Ain't you glad God, God sent somebody to tell you about His goodness? Ain't you glad God sent somebody to tell you that you don't have to die and go to hell? Ain't you glad God sent somebody to let you know that there's a better day of coming? Ain't you glad God sent somebody to let you know that this ain't the best we got? There's something better on the other side. Ain't you glad God sent somebody? Well, number three, we see also the perversity of the parish. The word is P-A-R-I-S-H. That's the people. That's the gathering. I want you to look here in verse number seven. Listen to what God tells the old preacher now. But the house of Israel, listen, y'all, y'all got your books, look here. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Can you imagine saying, man, I need you to go preach. I want you to go prophesy. But now these people ain't going to hear you. They won't listen to me. This is the God of heaven speaking. He said, they ain't going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to me. But we still got to go tell them. There's an obligation. I've never got everybody I preach to saved. Matter of fact, I hadn't got the majority I preach to saved. The majority today is still lost and on their way to hell. The Bible tells us, and I used to, you talking about used to blow my mind as a little fella, and even as a, until I got to see the size of the, of the country, of the world, and see people as in general. The Bible said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and few there be that go in thereat. And narrow is the gate, or, 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 or wide is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I used to think, man, that don't make good sense to me. About everybody I knew was going to heaven. And then you get to looking at the spectrum of everything else. Well, I'm going to tell you, you don't see many getting saved today, do you? You don't see many trusting the Lord today. Brother Mike, I know he ain't going to say that to us. He reads the Bible up there out loud in the park in Popperville every morning. He got last week, I believe week four last he was, he called me, he was excited. He, I mean, he was tickled to death. Uh, he was there, and, and he said he was reading his Bible out loud, and one of them prisoners down there cl- uh, cleaning up and, and, and said, uh, when, when he took a breath and took a minute, he said, I, I sure do hope I can get saved. Long story short, Brother Mike said, I tell you what, you got a minute, I can help you figure out how to get saved. And that morning, led that old boy to the Lord Jesus right there in the park. And uh, uh, the, the guard told him this week, I believe, so there's been a difference in that boy's life. Uh, uh, since, uh, listen, it's just an opportunity. There's somebody out there wanting to hear. Ain't somebody out there needing to hear. Uh, there's somebody out there. Uh, but I'm telling you, the most of them don't want to hear it. But had he not shared it, had he not been there, there was one. There was one that was willing, one that was listening for somebody to tell him. The thing about it is, are you that somebody? He said they will not hearken. The word he uses, he said he described them as impudent people. That word impudent means shameless. It means with boldness and contempt for others. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear the definition of that? Did you? Shameless with boldness and contempt for others. Does that not sound like somebody you know today? The world is lost and on their way to hell and proud of it. The majority of people today on their way to hell, they hold up signs in Washington, D.C. going to hell and proud of it. 
They'll be proud about that long when they get there. And it's all going to change at that time. You see, you know what, what's the problem is? There are so many people that want to be heard more than they want to hear. We had a chance this week to talk to somebody else, didn't Brother Mike? Another man come in my shop and the Lord opened up the door. We just prayed and asked the Lord to send us somebody to talk to and he, the Lord behold, he did. But that fellow, he wanted to talk more than he wanted to listen. You see, that's the condition with the world today. They want to tell you what they believe more than what the Bible says. Well, I know the Bible says this, but I believe. I don't give a rip what you believe. I, it don't really make a difference to me what you believe, how you believe it. It doesn't make a difference. If it don't line up with what God says, it don't mount to a hill of beans for me, I'm telling you. You can build your house on what you want to. It's called sinking sand if it's not rooted in the Word of God. And it's going to wash away when the first storm comes and the foundation of it will fall. I tell you what you better do. You better make sure you're built upon what God said. You better make sure the foundation is on the Lord Jesus Christ. You better make sure He's the chief cornerstone. You better make sure He's the one that's your Lord and He's your Savior. Don't you try to tell me how good you are in order to be saved. That's not the case of it. You ain't good enough. You ought to go to hell. You deserve hell. You ought to never get out of hell. But God in all of His mercy gave you the opportunity when He gave His Son. And how do I know it? Because the Bible tells me so. Because of the Word of God. He said they were impudent men. Not only were they impudent, he said they were hard-hearted. Woo! Hard-hearted. What does that mean? It means, listen to this, able to withstand God at His Word. Able to withstand God and his word. There's somebody sitting here this morning. Quite possibly could be described as one that be hard-hearted. Able to withstand God and his word. Been through all these things. And God told Ezekiel, Ezekiel, they're not going to hear you. Ezekiel, they're not going to listen to you. God then began in verse number 80. encouraged him not to change. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their forehead. You know what Ezekiel, what God said, Ezekiel? Y'all listen, y'all read it right there. Look at that Bible right there for yourself. God said, Ezekiel, I've made you, I've made you hard-headed, fella. I've made, you don't, you're not going to back down. You're not going to bow. You're not going to bend. You're going to stand right up before them and you're going to tell them just about their sin. You're going to tell them how, how that Jesus loved them. You're going to tell them everything. You're not going to bow down to them. You're not going to, but I, you, you just don't change, Ezekiel. You don't change. Not only did he say that, but he told him in verse number nine, don't to char, not charm them. He said, as an adamant harder than flint, have I made thy forehead goodness gracious. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks. Though they be a rebellious house. In other words, he said, now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, Ezekiel. You're going to get some looks. Don't you be this. I've got them looks before. Some of y'all have been good about giving them looks before. All right? Them looks. Like, you better not say that again. Now, you, when you do that to somebody that's got a little bit of a backbone, you know what they're going to do? They're going to say it again. I start seeing folks get nervous and get that mad look. I want to preach, get right up in their face. I ain't got as bad as what some folks have seen, but I want to get right up in. I know that's self, but I, I listen. 
God ain't, let me tell you this, God ain't never called a coward to preach. <laughs> he ain't never called a coward to preach. They might have been some volunteered, but God ain't never called one. He said, I don't want you charming them. Don't you fall victim to their charm. Don't you be charmed by them. Don't you let, let their looks take you out of the, out of the way. Not only said, but, but he said in, in verse number 11, but I want you to challenge them. Listen, he's saying, go and get thee to them of their captivity and to the children and of thy people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. He said, you go to him and tell them. And then we're going to get to where I want to be this morning. And I'm, going to be long, I'm not going to be much longer. That's most of the preaching of the message already. But they were in captivity. But if I understand things correctly, Ezekiel quite wasn't sold out right yet. He still wasn't sold out to do things like he ought to do them and, and, and to, and, until after verse number 15. They were in captivity. They had worshipped other gods. The people that were once so surrounded by God and His ways had become foreign to the things of God. God wasn't a whole lot to them anymore. And then we see in verse number 15, y'all look at your King James Bible real quick right here. Then came, uh, then I came unto them of the captivity of Tel Aviv, uh, uh, Tel Aviv and, and dwelt by the river of Chabar. And listen to this. And y'all write this down. It's the title of the message. Uh, he said, and I sat where they sat. And I sat where they sat. What do you mean there? And I sat where they sat. I got to thinking about that thing last night, Brother Bradley, even early this morning. What God do to make, to make Ezekiel more desirous in his, and eager in his goal to reach those people? You know, you know, there's a lot of us today that's forgot about what it's like to be lost. I was talking to Brother Frank, Brother Frank Bobby here this morning. Uh, he, I baptized him back in 2005. Same day I baptized Jacob Bogard. He and Jacob got saved the same day. Brother Frank, uh, uh, you know, uh, I watched him in his life, and we, we were we were we were talking. <coughs> Even about things and about how things have changed and how things in different places have gone wayward. Brother Frank, you remember how it was that morning, right in the evening, when you come to me before you got saved? I remember. I, I, I'll see you, Frank. He's a big old bald-headed boy, ugly. I mean, he just—he looks mean. But I watched God break him down like a double barrel shotgun. Tears running, weeping and crying. Met me out on the church house porch for church that night, Brother Mike. For church. And he told me, he said, Preacher, I've got to get saved. I've got to get saved. You know what? Before anybody ever gets, in, gets to get to the place where they can get saved, they get to get to the place where they've got to get saved. You know, you know what's, what's the problem with the world today and what with, with church and with society? That they want to take somebody and make a convert out of them who never have got lost. And I'm going to tell you what needs to happen before you can ever get saved. You need to get lost. 
You need to get lost. I'm talking about you need to see yourself lost and on your way to hell. You need to see yourself in need of the Lord Jesus. You, I don't say you've got to see yourself in hell, but you've got to know that you're lost and need a Savior. I remember the days when I was lost, and I'm going to tell you that, that there's some things that through the years, Brother Mark, I sat in my study this morning about a little after midnight, and I was sitting there, and I began to reflect, go back in my mind, and begin to reflect about the day of the days or the months before the before I got saved, and remembered those times of what it was like. So, so I went back to sit where I used to sit. Okay. What God do to Ezekiel, he took and put them and set them. He set them or set him where those lost people of Israel were sitting. I sat, Ezekiel said, where they sat. I sat where they sat. Now you listen to me real quick. I want you to listen quick. I'm going to be preaching quick, okay? I want to ask you this. I want to ask you, if I sat where they sat, I'm going to ask you this some what ifs and then we're going to be done. What if nobody ever took? What do you mean, preacher? Well, number one, what if they never took responsibility to reach out to a sinner? I sat there this morning and I wrote this down. What if nobody would ever took a responsibility to reach out to me? When I sat where they sat, what if I'd have never saw myself, never got to tell, never known that I was lost? What if nobody, you say, well, that seems cruel. You know, I don't, you ought not say nothing to them lost people. You ought not, you, ought, you ought just, let, just let God. I'm going to tell you what God chose to do. God chose to use me and you. That's what God chose to use. You ought not embarrass them. You, what if God, but my grandma used to look at me dead in my eyeball sitting at the kitchen table after reading the Bible. And, and, and she'd look at me and she'd say, son, I know you don't know it now, but there's going to be a day when the Lord's going to pass by. He's going to come to you. He's going to come to where you are. And whatever you do, don't you ever, don't you ever, don't you ever turn Him away. But when He comes to you, you heed to Him. You run to Him. Don't you ever let Him. And listen, I, I wonder what would happen to me had Mama never took the initiative to carry me, to make, to make real myself. She let me know, Brother Mike, that I wasn't going to make it because I was her grandson. But she let me know that one day Jesus was going to pass by. But he should have never took the initiative to tell me. I sat there this morning thinking about if I'd have depended upon Mama. I don't know that. I remember Mama. I remember, you know, Mama taught me things. Mama, I found out later, Mama wasn't even saved. But what if, what if, uh, Nobody would have ever took the responsibility to reach out to me as a sinner. What if uh, nobody would have ever took responsibility or took uh, the written word of God and had, had read it to me and let me know? I sat in that preacher's study that, uh, that Tuesday afternoon and he read to me from, from Romans chapter 10 and he read to me what uh, the way of salvation. He went down the whole Roman road. He began at the beginning, went down, and I didn't understand what he was talking about and I didn't really care what he was talking about. I believed every word he said, but he opened to me the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, by the way. I didn't know what I was hearing, but God knew all along what I was hearing. But what if somebody hadn't have told me from God's word? You see, I believe sometimes we need to go back and sit where they sit. 
two, what if no one ever told us of God's plan for redeeming man? If all you know is that you're, you're, you're bad and you can't do good, what hope do you have? I heard a guy, a psychologist one time made the statement, said you could take a, a baby at birth, take him and lock him up and put him in a room and, and I'll just you know give him the nourishment to grow him up until he gets old enough. Feed him is all you got to do. Never let him out of that room. And then when he gets to be an adult, turn him out of that room. Never teach him nothing. Never, never tell him nothing. Never, but when he comes out of that room, because of his nature, he'll come out killing, lying, stealing, doing everything else. Because that's his nature. But somebody had to tell somebody about somebody that could make a difference. What if nobody? What 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 if no one ever told us of the of the redeeming capability of Jesus? What about what if nobody ever told us about the price that was paid on Calvary? What what if nobody ever told us about about Jesus hanging between heaven? And earth? What you don't hear about no more? You don't hardly hear preached anymore. It is about Calvary no more. You don't hear uh, talking about the blood of Jesus. You don't hear talking about driving the nails in His hands and and and, and plying the furs in His back. You don't hear him talking about putting the nails in His feet and beating the crown of thorns on His head. You don't find uh, hear anybody preaching about the goriness of the cross and how awful it was and the reason that he died was not just so that people could kill him but he died in my place and in your place. It was my cross he bore. It was my stripes he bore. It was my whipping he took. It was for me. He died for me. He died for me. Yet you don't hear that preached anymore. Remember hearing a message when I was just a boy preached preacher stood there and walked everybody in that church and said you've been found guilty. He looked me in my eyeballs as a boy and he said you're guilty. And it looked like I could look, he looking down deep inside of me. He said you're guilty. You've been found guilty. I'm talking about went to everybody in that church and said you I'm thinking what am I guilty of? I didn't know what am I guilty of? He knows something about me that I've not told anybody else. You're guilty. And then he went, went on preaching about what happened on the cross and why Jesus died and why he suffered and why he bled and why he hung and why they beat him like they beat him. And it was because he took my place and it was my stripes that he stood in the place for me for. And it was my beating and he took my cross and he took my crown of thorns and he took my nails and he took all. And listen, he told me that I, had, I was guilty but I had somebody take my place and pay a penalty that I couldn't pay for myself and oh, what a great day it was to hear the preaching like that. But what if nobody ever told us? I thank God for them old simple preachers. <laughs> they say stuff like, oh, they ain't very deep. You ain't got to get deep. That might be a problem. We've done come to the place where we want to get too deep. We want to get too deep. I'll tell you what you want to do. I, 
It don't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Jesus died for you and that Jesus died for me and I'm guilty of sin. And it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out, uh, that, friend, that Jesus can still save sinners. Uh, uh, what we need to do is not worry about getting so deep as much as we need to get a desire. Uh, we need to understand uh, uh, that we need to do our, do our very best to do what we need to do to make sure that somebody can hear about the nail pierced hands, about the ribbon side, about the crown of thorns he wore. Somebody can hear about the empty tomb. I sat where they sat. And as I sat where they sat, I began to wonder, what if no one ever tried to preach to me? What if nobody ever tried to reach me? You think, oh, I wish y'all would leave me alone. I'll get saved when I want to. But you see, friend, we're, we're sitting where you're sitting. And we're trying to sit where you're sitting right now. But we're sitting there with knowledge beyond your knowledge. And we're sitting there with grace beyond your grace. And we're sitting there knowing what you don't know. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The reason you don't see the urgency of getting saved is because the devil's got your eyes blinded. Your mind is blinded by your God. Your God, which is, which is Satan. If you're not saved, that's your God. I can't help what you think or what mom and daddy tells you. But if you're, if you're not saved, Satan is your God. And he's blinded you to think you've got plenty of time. What if nobody ever tried to reach you? What if nobody ever tried to preach the gospel to you? What if nobody ever prayed for you? You ever sat where they sat? You see, church, here's what I'm trying to tell us this morning. We might need to go back and, and remember what it was like to be lost. We might need to go back and remember what it was like to be separated from a holy God. I believe if we'd go back and remember that I believe on visitation, sign holding day and outreach day, I believe everybody would show up. And I knew it was going to get quiet when I said that. You know why we don't show up? Because we hadn't sat where they sat in a long time. We're satisfied with us and we're satisfied with what we do and we're satisfied with not doing very much else. We're, we're just content and satisfied but we ain't sat where they sat in quite a long time. But it seems like it'd be embarrassing to stand out there and hold a sign up on the street. It might be to some but then it might not be either. It seems like it'd be embarrassing to stand on the street corner and preach. It is to start with. But do y'all think Jesus was proud when he went to the cross? Do y'all think he stood up and said, look, look at me. But the Bible said he died as a cursed man. We might need to sit where they sit a little bit. 
It'll change your life. It changed Ezekiel's life when he sat where they sat. What if nobody ever tried nicely? What if nobody ever trembled? What if nobody ever trembled at judgment? I remember several years ago, on Sunday night, I'd got through preaching. Miss Wanda August was here. August and Victoria was coming to church here then. As I preached that Sunday night, I, I seen old August, boy, he got all, he got, he got in bad shape. When I was standing at the back, he came by and walked by me. And, uh, he didn't hardly just shook my hand and walked on out the door. He walked, Brother Son was standing between me and the door. And Brother Son took him by the hand and he said, he just said, be careful. I didn't know what, he just told him, be careful. August went on out the door, went to his car, sat in the car a minute. About three minutes later, I seen the car door open back up. <clears throat> and there come August, August running across those rocks. He was running. He ran to that door, come straight to me, and he said, Preacher, I can't leave here without I get saved tonight. Preacher, I've got to get saved tonight. I, I didn't know, Miss Wanda, that two years later he's going to get his head crushed in a, on, on there and going to die. But I take consolation knowing that right up here on this altar that night, that in his trembling and through his trembling, that he met the Lord Jesus as his Savior. I take consolation and, 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 and I greatly thank the Lord today that he followed him out to the car that night. And when he sat there and, and considered judgment, he said, I can't leave here without getting saved. What if nobody ever trembled? At judgment. What if nobody, what if none of us that say folks ever trembled at our responsibility to reach out? I remember before Seth got saved, I, I remember wondering, he was 14 before he ever got saved. But I remember wondering, and I think me and her talked about it maybe. I, I, Brother Bradley, I, I really wondered, would he ever trust the Lord? Would he ever get saved? There wasn't nothing I wanted any more in life than to see my little boy get born again. I wondered. I, I'd say, God, are you going to save him? And every chance I get, I'd reach out to him. His mom would tell you, I'd, I'd tell, it wasn't always popular. It wasn't always easy to do. But I'd let him know that whether he knew it or not, I let him know that I knew he was lost. All of these little ones in here today, they need to know that they're going to need to be saved. If all you do is pacify them and tell them of just a, of how good they are and they go into heaven because they're good and the booger bear's going to get them if they don't and all this kind of junk, and the old devil's going to get them. Don't you be guilty of telling somebody that. You tell them they better get born again when Jesus comes by their way. 
you sit down and explain to them in their little eyes and you let them know, Lyndon, one day, son, Jesus is going to come by your way. Okay? All right. When he does, don't you ever tell him no. You trust him. Now you say, preacher, what good does that do? Let me tell you what. He'll remember that. And one day there's going to be a day when the Lord's going to pass by him. And he's going to say, my preacher, looked me in my eyes and told me not to hurt him away. And I'm going to tell you all this. That's not the first time I've told Lyndon that. And it won't be the last time I tell Lyndon that. What if nobody ever told him? I'm done. You see what we need to do? Churches, we need to go back and sit where they sat. It'll make a difference if you'll go back and sit where they sit. The only thing that's going to make a difference in our church is when we get a brand new, brand new burden for folks that are lost. We get a brand new burden for folks that are straight and gone away. And we make it our point, our business, to do the best we can do to get them. You need to sit where they sit. Father in heaven, thank you this morning for letting us preach one more time.